0: Hey everybody, welcome to No One Told Me, where hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and last week we got to talk about the value of writing down your thoughts, your feelings, everything going on in your life. Essentially, it was just time to bring out the old diary, because our feelings are way bigger than they were back in seventh grade. I hope you tried it out, writing down your points of overwhelm, your tension, your gratefulness, your joy. It all just needs a place to go. So this week, we're going to take it just a step further. What would it look like to talk about all of those things? What would it look like to talk about all those things with someone who is trained and experienced in helping you drag out those boxes from the dark corners that you've stored them in for so long? Now, I don't expect this to be easy. But guys, listen, this conversation you're about to hear with my new friend, Allison Cook, It felt like I was sitting on a couch across from her, tasking her with helping me navigate all the things I've spent years avoiding navigating. There's one part, about a quarter of the way in, where Allison talks about adjusting how you approach the personal narratives you've spent so long telling yourself. You know the ones. They probably started when you were younger, as you were stepping into the locker-lined hallway for the first time or sitting at the dining room table as your parents told you they weren't staying married, or not making the team, failing the test, not getting invited. What seems like a fleeting moment becomes a defining story. At times, it's told in a whisper before you step into a new season, and other times it's blaring across your thoughts when you face failure or disappointment. When Allison speaks to these narratives, but suggests simply adding in two new words to the storyline— what if I'm not kidding you my heart and my head they are still reeling over the thought the most basic shift it's changing everything for me right now so I hope this is a start for you too a simple way to feel seen in your times of not okayness as we talk through the combination of faith and psychology the root of our negative thoughts and how we can stop numbing what we can't face but instead keep growing Have you been doing mainly Zoom for your job, for everything? I mean, did you have to go full, just like on camera for patients and stuff? Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I can tell you love it
0: too. It's so great. It's
1: hard. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, especially with the, it's been very interesting talking with other therapists. There's something about the screen. I don't know what it is. It just, I actually went to, I got to the point where I was like, I would need, I tried to shift some to just calls. I've, I've got a good rhythm now, but um, just staring at the screen all day is really taxing. I believe so interesting. it. It's going to be so weird when, I don't know how if it's opening up where you are, but I feel like it's going to be so weird when the whole country opens back up, like, do, will
0: people just go right back yeah. to
1: like, or will they be like, no? <laughs> you know,
0: I well, I still feel like... <laughs> myself even like if I'm at the grocery store, if I've stopped to get coffee, if anyone's close to me. I'm like, this is uncomfortable. I need to take I a few know, steps back. And I was like, are I we know. always going to be this way now? I, like... I know. I
1: was just doing that with my neighbor. He's like right in my face, and I was like,
0: Sorry. yes. <laughs> You're just taking slow steps back. Where Where do you live,
1: Allison? I didn't know. Well, we're in. Normally, we live in Boston, but because Boston Boston closed down so much, my husband's company went completely remote. We actually, I'm originally from Wyoming. Okay, so we've been living here. We I'm in Wyoming right now. We just brought the whole family out here, and it it's been great because we can get outside. Yes, in Boston, we were just like, oh my gosh, we're gonna go crazy.
0: You couldn't go anywhere, Um, right?
1: I mean, oh so close down and there's just, it's so, it's so compact. There's nowhere to here. We can go to the mountains. We can go, you know, so it's, it's yeah. really kind of saved us with, we have older kids. And so, we just had to figure out some way to...
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's what my husband and I actually talked several times about how we are thankful for where we live because it is so spread out. So are you all just staying there indef- indefinitely or...
1: Well, through the summer, we're, his company probably won't go back until they're saying now like September. And the cu- cultural differences have been so fascinating, right? Like yeah. we've just lived. We, it, it's It's been really, you know, the there where people are very strict if you, you know, and here people are like.
0: "Ah!" So I have some friends here actually in New York right now for work. So they had to go up there and they sent me a picture and they're wearing two masks and they said there are COVID monitors who are walking around where they're setting up right now, and if you are within six feet of anyone, they tell you to spread out more.
1: There's just yes. two different worlds that exist, and I don't know what to like. I love both of them, but they're very different.
0: <laughs> it's like I'm right here in the gray, and everyone else is black and white. I'm like, I feel good here. Like I feel okay.
1: Let's just stop.
0: Yeah. Okay, so Allison, I haven't even told you how I found you. So the amount of people you can find on Instagram who have just like, if you can. Uh, curate your Instagram for your benefit, you know, like find people who are encouraging and who actually add value to your life. That is how I came upon you is your your post and your insight is so helpful that I thought I want to have a conversation with Allison and it was actually you had just posted about spiritual bypassing I think which is something we'll probably get into here in a little bit but Allison Cook is with us today I'm so excited to have you Allison but you started out as a congressional aide in DC and you moved into some teaching and then you kind of settled into what you're doing right now as a counselor an author and a speaker so how did you end up where you are doing what you're doing how did you know that was even what you wanted to do?
1: Well, I kind of, it's funny. It was a little bit of a, not a linear path. Let's put it that way. I kind of kicked around a couple of things. I tried, you know, I went to DC and it was really fun, but I was like, I, this is not me. This is not, it was kind of a Goldilocks. This is not me. This is not me. And what ended up happening, what I noticed through everything is what I was fascinated by were the people that I was fascinated by the study of the human in front of me. And so something clicked. And I thought I should go get a degree in counseling. I really enjoy studying people. And then I just went on what I really loved when I was getting studying counseling and working with people as a therapist. I also loved bringing in the spiritual dimension. So I went on to do doctoral doctoral work that combined the two, that combined psychology with sort of a, a study of religion and how we are shaped in both ways, spiritually and psychologically. And that just really was a fit. That was who I was. That was what I was interested in. And it was what I wanted to bring to other people.
0: And so once you found like this, this does work, what has become your favorite part about your job? Because there's just something about leaning into what you know, you're purposed and called to do that's just so gratifying and satisfying. So what have you found to be your favorite part so far?
1: I I can honestly say I've never met a human being that God made, you know, just that I'm not just fascinated by. <laughs> and so I have the privilege of, and that doesn't mean I want to be friends with every single human. that. Let I, me you know, be right? clear. Like, Let me draw a line here. <laughs> I, I do have boundaries, but it, I get the privilege of, you know, I look at my work as sort of like if you're a medical doctor and you get to go in and like see something that, you know, you can help bring healing to, mend, you know, I like to use the word mend and not fix, but just kind of help stitch together. And so I get the privilege of these folks coming into my life where I get the honor of going, I think I can help you. I can put my finger on something that that, that can help bring healing there and there's just nothing like being able to use those gifts that God's given me you know there's just some I've always kind of had that ability to see and then you bring the the training into it and then just help people leave you a little bit better I mean the only other better place I can think of is when I go get my haircut <laughs> and I'm like you must make people feel great and I'm like you have a similar that. job yeah, right? it's
0: like we're know? doing the same I'm thing I'm terrible at that <laughs> you know even before we started recording we talked about this whole last year, where it's been this awareness of your like mental health has just blown up because we are now seeing the effects of a year like that. And it's just this narrative that you see over and over again. And I've read and listened to a lot about, you know, that concept you talked about, about faith and mental health and how they intersect. But in your experience, how have you over the years seen these two things intersect?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think most people are looking for, you know, we talk about spirituality. People are looking for something a little bit bigger than themselves, something to feel like they're connected. And so, you know, I I come from a Christian background, so I tend to bring in sort of a Christian spirituality. But I think most people, however they're trying to find it, are not just only. It's not just you know who am I, but it's also how do I connect in to the larger world around me. And I think that's a key part of becoming a whole person we have to heal what has been broken or wounded inside of us as a result of our childhoods as a result of heartaches you know we all have a wound or two you know you don't go through this life without it right so you want it the psychology is you're kind of working through those things you're working through your marriage you're working through your parenting you're learning these tools you know that we don't learn in school which we really desperately need and then this the spirituality comes in that kind of gives you that like glimpse that there's something a little bit more that it's it it all comes together somehow. Mm -hmm. So I just love helping people kind of connect to the both and the tools, Mm -hmm. the healing, but also just this idea that you're not alone. There's something more. Mm
0: I think one of the the anxieties a lot of people have in this is they hear what you're explaining and they're like, oh, I would love to talk more about that. I would love to share more about that. But they get a little nervous. Like you talked about how much you love seeing people and engaging with people. But people get nervous about that first encounter, Allison. You know, they're like, I don't even know what that's going to be like. Can you and we're backtracking just a little bit here. But I want I'm trying to think what would I want to know? And I really would want to know what it's like when you sit down with someone for the first time, generally speaking, what you're not trying to get. To the, the heart of it in the first hour you're together, right? So, what does it usually look like for someone to come and sit down with you and say, here's what's going on? How do you help them walk through that?
1: Yeah, at the very first meeting, you're just trying to get to know someone. Mm. And, and I would just say to people, if they're thinking about going to therapy or have never been to therapy, it's a relationship. And so, you need to have a fit. And so, I always tell people, try a couple. If you go in and you feel like someone is just pushing way too fast and hasn't earned your trust, that's probably not a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. You get a say in it. You get to, so I, you know, my style is to really build that trust. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I just want to get to know you. I want to know why you're here. Tell me as much as you want, as little as you want. Let's, Let's build some trust here, and because you, you're going to go to some deep places, and so I know for me, I want to be sure whoever I'm letting into my life, I've got a sense of okay, I'll mm-hmm. I'll give you, you know, I'll let you go there. Mm-hmm. So you're, I want to always empower people, and I always tell people when they come to me, I'm like, look, talk to two other therapists, and then let me know, you know, if you. Sure if you think I'm the best fit for you because here's kind of my style and my approach so
0: well because that's so humbling I mean and we've talked about before I've talked with a friend about how it's like if someone will let you in to the hard stuff that they're walking through that in and of itself is an honor and to respect and, and be patient with whatever it takes for that to come out but admitting you're not okay maybe that you need some help is the most humbling experience because you can at times just say well especially if you're a follower of Jesus you can just say well I just need more faith if I just prayed more. Or if I just did, you know, if I read my Bible more, I'm sure I'd be okay. So I shouldn't let people into this part of my life. So why is maintaining mental health so much more than that?
1: Yeah, I, I wish that's a you'll if you follow me on Instagram, I post about that a lot. I, I really, I, I don't like that divide, because I think that You know, we, and I do, I hear you. I had that a little bit initially, you know, even when I was studying it, I was like, I should have it all together. And it's like, actually, no, if you look at who Jesus went toward, you know, what, when he was on the earth, he went toward the people who were hurting the most. So we say um, in in the book that I wrote, we talk about how he wants to go to those parts of you that are hurting the most. And those parts of you are the most vulnerable. And so they shouldn't be exposed to just anybody. They, you want to take those painful points, which we all have, everybody has, you know, that's the other thing I want to just demystify, you know, everybody picks up a wound or two in this life Mm. and some are bigger. We talk about big T trauma and little T traumas, just little things that can really lodge in your soul. You want to go to somebody who has some, you know, to me, it's like if you had a broken arm, you know, you wouldn't go to a friend, you would Mm. go see someone who knows how to mend that. Sure. And it's no different with these parts of our soul that get hurt and busted up and beat up and wounded. Mm
0: -hmm. How do you, how have you seen the response been? Even I think to some degree, you're seeing the church kind of step into this mental health arena and trying to be better at partnering with people in it. And instead of just the, well, let's pray over it together, which again, is an important factor of it. But when you are really struggling with your mental health, you do need more and you wonder, okay, Am I just a bad follower of Jesus? How have you kind of seen that play out? All you got to do is just say, "Hey, we'll help
1: connect you to resources. You don't have to become, mm-hmm. you know, the the psychologist, mm-hmm. just as you would send someone again to a medical doctor mm-hmm. who has a chronic illness. If someone's coming to you and their debilitating anxiety isn't going away, You know, just just try not to stigmatize that. Understand, there's now this whole science and this whole community that is a fairly recent discipline—the field of psychology—that now knows so much about how the brain works and really bring healing with God's help. Mm -hmm. You know, it's no different than God equipping the you know physicians who now know how to heal diseases that we didn't couldn't do anything about you know a few hundred years ago sure. it's the same in psychology we've learned all this mm-hmm. stuff that is really to me i look at it as the part of the creative design of the human psyche it it works mm-hmm. it's beautiful it has a bent toward healing but when something gets broken, there are specific things that need to happen to go in there and help
0: heal it. I, I love that you keep comparing it to, you know, if you have a broken arm, you wouldn't go to your friend. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, God has positioned and gifted a lot of these incredible doctors to know the science of what they're doing to help mend you, to use your word that I love so much. But, you know, in reading about you, Allison, I've stumbled upon a blog post that I connected with so much. It was the impact of negative thoughts. You started with just a simple definition of what negative thoughts are and how they show up in our lives and where they usually originate from.
1: Yeah, I mean, negative thoughts can be anything from... There a lot of times they operate. Sometimes they're really conscious, and people are really aware of them. And I'm always like, "What well, if you're really aware of your negative negative thoughts? Good for you, because it's much easier to heal them when you're aware of mm. them. What where they really get destructive is when they're almost subconscious, below the surface, and they're just kind of sneaking in there. And it's anything from here are some common ones like, "No one has my back. I'm alone. Things never go my way. I'm a failure. No, I." I'll never get it right. I'll never be good enough. And you can just feel the energy of those. There are these messages that get lodged deep inside that kind of just, you know, linger, but they really impact the way that you go about your day. And we all have them in certain ways. Again, these are part of these, it's just really hard to grow up and not I always say, pick up a wound or two. And that, that's where these messages, their faulty beliefs come into play. And if we don't kind of acknowledge them and bring them to the surface, it's like a sliver. Again, you got to bring it to the surface before you can get it out. So those are just some examples of the common ones. And, and they're really, you, you know, you start to notice your own self-talk and you'll be surprised at like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, even now still, I'll be like, oh my goodness. There, You know, I have a couple that are very familiar that I've had for a very long time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, there it is again
0: what's going on with that. And that's so interesting that you can even a lot of them start I can think of ones that I've had in my head since middle school. I mean, Mm -hmm. these are not that they formed in college or into motherhood, I would say like a new one came along with every season of life. But I can trace one of the, the first ones all the way back to to middle school and that they carry with you for that long, I think is absolutely amazing, even all the way down to childhood. I mean, you I'm sure you talk with people who are like, I remember a a parent or a teacher or someone saying this to me. And then all of a sudden, it's a consistent, constant thought that is on replay in your head. And it becomes a a background noise that it's underlying almost everything. But you talked about instead of respond and trying to pray these thoughts away, you talked about prayerful compassion. What are the differences in those two things?
1: yeah the problem with when we try to pray it away or even will these thoughts away is then we're not getting the healing that those parts of us need and so what happens what what again the science is is teaching us it's just amazing in the neuroscience field and developmental um psychology is that these there are small traumas or big some of them are big traumas, but even little traumas like getting left out as a child. what happens is your brain you make sense of that by creating a story. And so the story is, I'm not good enough. The reason those kids don't like me is because I'm a loser, right? Well, so as a six-year-old or an eight-year-old, that you're not telling somebody that. That just is kind of, you're like, that's how I make sense of it. You create survival skills around it. Mm. And that's lodged in your memory. It's lodged in your brain. And so in order to heal that, we have to go to the root. And in order to get to that root, so if we're trying to pray it away, what we're doing, it's, it's imagine saying to your child, get, shoo, shoo, go away with that. I don't want mm. that, right? Instead of turning toward your child and saying, tell me what you're feeling. Mm. Tell me more. I want to hear from you, right? That That's, it's sort of like that part of us needs that kind of attention. Mm. And so one of the first questions I'll say is tell me an early memory of when you felt that way. And the person will start to describe an event or something that happened that was painful. So what happens when someone is given the opportunity, even as an adult, to tell that story with a witness, with a compassionate witness, that healing goes in at that place where that message got lodged.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, I mean, you see that probably pretty often in your conversations with patients that a lot of what is going on and what is making them feel disconnected or alone or whatever else can be traced back to early childhood, right?
1: Oh, almost always there's something there. And you're, you you were so astute to say sometimes we pick up things, like you said, as adults. But even then, usually it's a variation on a theme. Mm from some message these core messages when our brain was really developing it's just it's so powerful it's such a privilege again to get to be with people as they start to create a different story Mm -hmm. out of painful events Mm -hmm. because that's really what they've been able to do oh you mean when my parents divorced i told myself i was it was my fault you mean it wasn't Mm -hmm. you know and it's like consciously rationally you know that but some part of you really still believed deep down you were the cause. Mm-hmm of this terrible thing, right? And
0: that's so interesting, though, because I I will hear that or hear something similar to that. And I would think, yeah, but you just, you know, you're not so you just move on, you know, like, you know, that's not the truth. So you just put it away. And, you know, on the last episode that we did, I talked about how I'm very good at taking those thoughts. And I just put them in a nice box. And I just I shove them in a corner, right? Like, I just won't think them. I'll just put them over here, but they are still impacting who I am, the decisions that I'm making, the narrative that I'm telling myself, about myself and so for those of us who are listening right now and are like oh my that's that's me that's what I do what do you do to practically help people walk through this to to change their story to come from to tell a different story out of that pain what are just some practical things you do with some of your patients
1: yeah I mean first of all what you when you're able to identify those thoughts and compartmentalize them, that's actually really lovely and that's really a great strategy to kind of keep yourself focused telling yourself the truth i think one of the next things you can do again is this sort of compassionate witness which is begin to kind of inventory where did that kind of what i was saying you can kind of go through a list of questions that we talk about in in my book which is when did i pick up that belief Mm -hmm. And this is that compassion. I talk about getting curious, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're starting to kind of not judge, not censor, not like, oh, I wish I didn't have it. Instead, kind of bringing it out in front of you going, I wonder where that came from. Mm-hmm. Because as you get curious about it, you actually start to what we call differentiate from it. And you realize, oh, it's possible there's another narrative. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but before you can bring in that new narrative, you got to get to know the old one and where it came from. Mm -hmm. And so kind of asking yourself that, what, where did that come from? Where did I pick it up? What do I really think is true? The other thing I'll do is you got to move from head knowledge down to core knowledge. So what I, we can tell ourselves the truth on a cognitive level. And you can, if you could see me, you could see I'm just pointing at my brain, right? That's one level. But then the next level is what feels true, Mm. Mm-hmm. And you gotta notice. Wait, okay. I know that's true, but it doesn't feel true. What feels true is I'm a nobody.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And you just gotta notice. Okay, that's interesting. So what? And I'll t- I'll tell people take baby steps. Don't immediately go to you know you are precious in God's sight. If that doesn't feel true, go to I God. I and this is where I talk about inviting God into the prayerful part of it. And I don't think it's true, but it feels true. Help me. And then maybe the next step is just to say I'm open to what if the magic, what if it's not true?
0: Mm.
1: And that's as far as I can get. Mm -hmm. But that feels really different. Mm -hmm. Because you want to get it at that feeling that core level.
0: That is I mean, even when you just said it, the what if and you said, it's almost like this magical question. But it (laughs) is just something as uh, as small as that those two words at the beginning, okay, what if it's not true, all of a sudden, you see all these possibilities that you would not have seen otherwise.
1: And then you can go to, I just did this the other day with a, a thought in my own mind. What if, you, what if I am blank? What if, I don't know. I'm not there yet, but what if I really am Good enough, you know whatever the thing is.
0: Yeah, sure. It's just just that permission, and you
1: you can just feel the whole all the neural pathways open up. You
0: can. It's so true. So the book you've mentioned it a couple times. Boundaries for your soul. You wrote it, I think, what two years ago. And what I'm curious about is because you get so practical in it. Here's here's where you're going to start, and here's where I want you to go. How did you notice that there was a space that needed this book? I mean, what kind of inspired you to say, people need this. They need these practical steps. They need to start asking themselves these questions.
1: Yeah, it was really, in some ways, it's a based on a model of therapy called IFS, which is known, and it meant we, we adapted it for, for a Christian audience and, and kind of integrated it with Christian spiritual practice, but it's really what helped me. You know, I had been in studying there, you know, a therapist studying psychology, and so much of it was staying at a cognitive level. And that wasn't really changing my experience of myself. And so when I encountered this model, it was the first thing where I, I did just kind of what, what I was walking you through of like bringing it into the core of my being. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I was like, this is powerful. And I so wanted other people to have that experience of really
0: deep inner change,
1: not just kind of changing out one thought for another, but not really f- feeling differently inside. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the title alone, it was enough to pique my interest personally is boundaries for your soul. Even the first word boundaries is something that is always a struggle. It's always like almost like an alarm. I don't know how to do that. So I'm going to stay away from it. Like I never can do it. Well, so I'm just going to pretend like it doesn't exist. Right. Why did you pick that title for it? I mean, what kind of inspired you to do that?
1: Well, as we were just talking about the model, and if folks have seen the, the Pixar movie, it's a couple of years old called Inside Out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what this model is like. It's navigating. We all have these little parts of us that are, you know, one part is terrified and one part is excited and we're trying to navigate this whole internal world, right? And so what we realize is it is a little bit, and, and you did a good, you, that idea of the compartmentalizing. There's, it's a little bit of, okay, there's a part of me that's terrified, but I got to show up for this. Again, it's always with compassion. I got to take the part of me that's fearful and say, I, I love you. You know, I'm not, not going to beat you up. But I would need you to come over here while the rest of me shows up. So you're learning how to kind of, it's like a little family inside. You're learning how to navigate that with boundaries where we don't need to bring that part of us into this, part, you know, into sure. our work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> or I don't need to bring this into my, I, the part of me that feels like I need a break into my parenting because I need to be on as a parent right now. Mm-hmm. But I need to come back to this part of me that's like, I need some help. You yeah. know, it's, it's learning how to kind of navigate all that different train inside your soul
0: how do you find a balance between those two things because I'm very good <laughs> at the distraction part I am ve- I am mm. so good at that part but when it comes to actually looking at it I actually took a personality assessment it's a newer one it's called the six geniuses of working or something mm. like that but one of them is called wonder and the question it always ask is do you sit and consider things for a long amount of time like do you think why is it this way or what could be different what could be better and that I ranked like bottom of my list it was the very as low as it could go because I'm always there's other things I need to be doing there's other things I need to focus on so how do you strike a balance between those two things it
1: takes a lot of Mm self-awareness. And and you're right. Most of us kind of just make the shifts without that conscious awareness of, okay, I just put my mom hat on and now I'm going to go put my, you know, I really am, I feel like a kid myself hat on. Right. And so this is where emotions come in because the emotions are the cue. So the emotion is, okay, my child needs me. So that mom part comes out and you know what to do and then you're exhausted so it's like okay the exhaustion might take us to come and go binge watch 6 hours of television well when you're when you become more aware you go wait that's a part of me that needs some care it's again heightened awareness what care do i need and so it is a lot of paying attention to your internal world and and some people do that more naturally than others i think everybody can learn just to notice the cues
0: mm. a little bit more and respond to them. I mean it. And respond to them. Yes. Because I'm very, I mean, I can notice them, Allison. I'm fine. <laughs> like, there it is. All right. Now let's see. What's a new show I can watch? What is something else I can do to not have to respond to that cue that I know is so obvious right now? Yeah. I.
1: And in this day and age when there's so many quick fixes like that, and it's not all bad. And I'll even say to people, I'll say, it's okay to go do that, but do it mindfully.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I, I think all I've got in me right now is a show. <laughs> yeah, and so that's a conscious decision I'm gonna make. Yeah, you know, it's just a subtle shift, but and it's those it, 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 baby it,
0: steps you're talking about, just one small step.
1: step, and it gives you that moment of pause to go, I could go do this, which might actually feel better.
0: <laughs> after when you're done, because eventually Mm -hmm. the show is over. And then what, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what I've noticed just Mm -hmm. the past year. I've talked several times about how I have created this habit of staying up way too late, watching or reading or scrolling or doing something because I'm alone. And it's finally my time to be by myself and do whatever I want. And I know as soon as I go to sleep, when I wake up, my time is not my own anymore. (laughs) And so I stay up way too late. But then I always feel the same or worse after, you know, like, it's not giving me Anything that I'm like subconsciously wanting it to give me. That's so, so good. That's such good awareness right there. Right. It's like that's And those
1: are these are those are those comfort seeking parts that just want it. And and really, instead of comfort, what they're doing is numbing. Mm-hmm. And it's a subtle difference. And and numbing doesn't give us that comfort that we actually need or pressure mm-hmm. that we actually need. Mm-hmm. And it's a subtle difference, but it's, and so it's, it's learning to go, Oh, I what I want something that feels good <laughs> and I need something that feels good. And, and, and it, you know, it can be the TV, it can be a bottle of wine, whatever it is, is going to, it's going to give me an instant thing, but it's not going to actually more deeply. And so then we got to do the work of going. What is that comfort? I really, really, really need. And
0: yeah. it might be a good cry.
1: Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a good cry. Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes it's just going in the bathroom and shutting the door and locking it and sitting in the bathtub, like just crying. You know, <laughs> sometimes it's the only way to get away from the children. Like it's my or only safe us- place.
1: It, it putting on the music that you want to listen to, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That gives you that emotional space. But you you just that just even the self-awareness of what you just said is so beautiful and lovely that you're aware of it.
0: Oh, I'm also now putting it together. They, I read an article the other day that said The Office was like the top show. Across all platforms, and I'm like, people just wanted something that made them laugh. That they, it's that <laughs> comfort piece that you're talking about. Oh. Yes. So, oh. Allison, for anyone who's listening, you know, who doesn't know where to start in intentionally pursuing a healthier mindset. I mean, it's like you've already given given me like two or three things, and I'm like, that is a different concept to think through. Like that's a different perspective that I maybe need to spend some time actually looking at. And they want to stop ignoring the hard things, you know, like me, like I said, I don't, I know, I can't keep doing that. I've got to start doing something different. What's your advice to them? Like, they just are like, where do I, where do I start? I know I need this. I don't know what to do first. Yeah. So
1: I have a tool that, cause I, I think sometimes we need structure on my, if you, if you go to my website, I can give you all the details. I have a free download. It's an audio. I would say it's about eight minutes long. You can, there's like some, I introduced myself at the beginning, and it's a guided prayer. It's a guided reflection. And it's eight minutes long. But literally what it's just like notice, it, it, it's it's an exercise in that awareness mm-hmm. and that mindful attention of what part of you right now needs some attention. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of guides you through with an audio, which is really helpful, I think, sometimes for people because then they're, they're just able to focus on someone else's voice guiding them. Sure. So definitely download that. I also, you know, I have on my website lists of questions where if you're a journaler, mm-hmm. you just take 10 minutes, 20 minutes in the morning before you go to prayer, before you start your day, what am I really feeling? What am I thinking? You know, what area really kind of needs my attention? And just try to not- at this point, just try to get curious about mm-hmm. it. Don't try to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> just try to notice it
0: you know yeah and that's I mean that's something even the audio you can do that you can take a walk I mean take a walk around Mm -hmm. the block and just think listen to that think through it open up the notes app and write your thoughts down I mean these are easy things if we make space for them I had a friend the other day who was like how do I make sure that I'm still growing that I'm still personally experiencing growth because I'm I'm trying to foster places for everyone else to experience growth how do I make sure I do it And I just said, the older I get, the more I understand the necessity of intention. No one's going to make time for you to do these things. No one's going to walk up to you and be like, hey, you should do this today. No one is. So Mm -hmm. if you know, it's valuable, you have to do it yourself and create that space and protect it. So and that's an easy way. These tools are just an easy way, Allison, to be able to do that.
1: It's so good what you're saying. And I'll just share it. Even just recently, I had a again, like you're saying, I had taken some time off of work for a health issue and I, I'm going back to work. And I just noticed this vague feeling of like, I didn't want to be online. I didn't want to, and I couldn't figure it out. And I stopped to listen. And what I noticed was just these parts of me have loved kind of not being so frantic, not racing. And And what's interesting when you get to know yourself is it wasn't like, I, you know, it's like we fear ourselves. It's sort of like, but if I get off the rat race, well, it was like, no, no, no. It was just this reminder: what if you just take a couple weeks to stay off social media, to be more present before going back to work? Mm -hmm. Just to remember what this was like Mm -hmm. to have a little more spaciousness, right? Mm -hmm. It's like going on vacation. It's like, how can I bring a little bit of that with me? Mm When I go back into real life, but if I hadn't stopped to listen, I would have just kept blowing past that Mm -hmm. and missed what I've noticed is now this last week has just been so rich because I've been more
0: present
1: to those deeper parts of me. So,
0: I mean, it feels like as I've gotten older, all I want is more space. Like that's, that's (laughs) what I want. I just want more space. As my toddler comes in to ask me another question. I'm just like, I just want some space. I just mentally, physically, whatever it might be. We end every episode, Allison, with one question. And it is, what are you so happy someone did tell you about? Now, this can be anything. It can be professionally or personally. Maybe it's a drink from Starbucks you like, or a movie that you've watched that you Mm -hmm. loved. It can be anything.
1: Oh, that is such a good question. I have two things that floated in into my mind. I'm, I've never gotten into wellness apps, but a friend told me about it. And during this quarantine, it's just helped me be a little bit healthier as far as eating and exercising. And, and then so then the second one would be a, this Fitbit, just getting just steps.
0: Mm. I know, isn't it amazing <laughs> I mean, I just, how obsessed oh. you get with it? You're like, where am I at? Okay, I got to take some laps around the house. I got to take some laps.
1: The therapist, I was like, I'm sitting all day long. So it, is it, it really it, helps. Is it
0: Noom, N-O-O-M? Isn't that what it is? Yeah, it's, yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. I've it's seen
1: just it. It's great. It's a really good little app. So I did the free trial and I got a lot out of it. So
0: yeah. Does it do like, does it give you cues for exercise or, or eating?
1: It's more like every day gives you like this little nine minute sort of overview mm-hmm. of healthy habits. And it's just really I don't know it's just been kind of helpful gosh uh, the thing just mean, making again it's the idea of little changes yes right I just like I started eating an apple every day <laughs>
0: right <laughs> Allison it's like, amazing I, I mean can you can you it, believe it, the difference
1: <laughs> it it is it, it I love it. It's yeah. like why did I never think of this? Isn't it it's crazy? It's really great. Yes, and it's just <laughs>
0: the most basic of things like drinking more water. I I feel better. People were right. There's a reason people say this, you know? <laughs> exactly.
1: It's amazing. Oh, uh,
0: Allison, thank you so much for taking time just to talk with us and share oh, what you're you are awesome. so good at. I can see why you are purposed and called to do what you do because you speak to it with such clarity and it just feels like you, um, I, like I feel connected to you already and this was a 45 minute conversation. So I think you are very much doing what you were created and called to do. So I love getting to see that in anybody when they get to to do what they feel called to do and I've gotten a look at that today. So we appreciate you so much. We're gonna link in show notes to the, the eight minute audio well, just to your website. We'll link straight to it. And if you want to ask yourself those questions, if you want to listen to that audio, we want to make sure you have those resources to do it. All right, Allison, I think you need to go out and like find a buffalo. Do they have buffaloes in Wyoming? (laughs) Yes,
1: (laughs) we do. (laughs) I just saw one yesterday, actually. (laughs)
0: I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review or... You can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at CE And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.